The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is IT as driving and enabling marketing and sales innovation. And our guests for today's show are Allison Sarah, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Alcatel Lucent. Good morning, Allison. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, the honor is all ours. So how is the world treating you, the life, business, family, work, everything? It's, it's great. So just got back from a privacy identity innovation conference in Seattle from yesterday and uh, had a great time connecting with a bunch of people there. So uh, lots of good insights for today's call, I'm sure. Great. And we also have Mike Relic, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer at CAS. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Uh, good morning. Um, happy to be here. Great, and uh, welcome back. So we are talking about an interesting area where, while you know, we always say that sales has to be increased and profitability and growth has to happen, but something has to happen at the back end, which is marketing, which has more leverage than sales traditionally. And when we are trying to bring innovation and trying to deal with the today's customer who are more fickle, who are more informed, more demanding, there has to be something which is to be incrementally or disruptively changed in order for us to get there. So, Alison, starting with you, do you think we have those unique innovative ideas already in place which are uh, there to, as a secret sauce to make this all happen? Well, I think what we have is, uh, you know, a lot of change happening both in the IT and the marketing realms. So, uh, the short answer is we have a lot of innovative ideas, but execution is going to be key, and I think that's where uh, both teams are going to find themselves working much closer together over the next, uh, certainly over the next few years. Um, the big story in the industry right now is big data, and marketers are trying to find a way to use big data about their end users responsibly. At the same time, IT is struggling with a lot of data in the enterprise and figuring out how to use that responsibly. So I think these two worlds are colliding um, in a very interesting way. Now, do you think, Mike, when you look at your organization, which is primarily B2C, and it is trying to, of course, take care or first perhaps understand first what is it that the customer wants and how their needs are changing, and then based on that, be always on top of it and be able to support the organization which is out there producing goods, which would be liked by those customers. So what all is happening at the back end for you to be able to produce that info? Well, I think what's happening with customers is, you know, customers want a multi-channel experience. Before they would engage with you either, you know, through your brick and mortar. Now, think about it. A customer in a single transaction would engage with you across multiple channels. They might receive a promotion message on their handheld device, 
go to the web to research it, maybe want to buy it on the web and then pick it up in your store. So customers don't want to, well, this is why I say buy anywhere, get anywhere, return anywhere. And the problem is with a lot of organizations is their organ- the structure doesn't really allow this. And all these forces are p- pushing IT to come up with this whole multi-channel experience. And it's putting a lot of, uh, <clears throat> a lot of pressure on IT organizations. So, Alison, when you look out and if you were to say, in my dream world, when everything was perfect, what all should have been working and what all is not working or is chronic in nature has been removed. So can you inventory those for us? Well, I think Mike captured it well when he talks about this whole multi-channel experience. And, and you know, the, the technology that we now have at our fingertips is creating new opportunities for us as consumers and, in turn, for us as employees of the enterprise, uh, as marketers trying to serve those consumers. So if you think about, uh, to Mike's point, you know, it used to be brick and mortar. You'd go in, you'd have a transaction. Well, now you've got, you know, smartphones that, that are basically attached to virtually every hip uh, where consumers are using those devices to, you know, showroom, as it's called, where they're using those same smartphones to be able to check the prices of a particular item, and then using that intelligence, being able to transact for that item at another either brick-and-mortar or even on the web itself. So it's fundamentally changing the way consumers shop. And innovative companies are using things, assets like IT, to figure out how to leverage that data, leverage existing technology that exists within brick-and-mortar stores, things like Wi-Fi, things like security and surveillance cameras, to be able to map out real-time where those consumers are, how they're shopping, what they're querying, and to be able to contextually push an offer to them at precisely the right time before they exit the brick-and-mortar store to potentially go transact with another retailer or an e-tailer, for that matter. So uh, the world is profoundly changing. The ideal world now is still yet to be shaped, but there's a blending of all of these types of data, all of these types of transactions, uh, the, these types of inquiries that people are making using their devices and using the technology that surrounds them. And marketers need to find a way to get smarter and more predictive about precisely intercepting that customer at the right place at the right time through the right media channel to, to hopefully compel an action of some sort, hopefully a purchase action. So, um, you know, the ideal world, I think, is still many years away from where it is, but, but the world around us is a fundamental shift uh, that, that is affecting, to Mike's point, both the CIO's role and certainly the CMO's role. So, Mike, in, uh, based on what uh, Allison just shared as the dream world, maybe per- perhaps we are far away from that, but if we keep playing catch-up, then the investments that we make may not render the type of ROI we are all looking for because by that time the customer may have moved on to something uh, different. So so disruption and or uh, morphing will continue to happen. Is there a way at all, whether marketing and IT individually or together, can get ahead, get a leap, so that they feel better, so far more in control than what they feel today? Um, you know, the rate of innovation is so quick and things are changing so fast. You know, I don't ever see IT or marketing get ahead. <clears throat> when, um, when Allison spoke about, you know, the new world, that's exactly what's happening. So you have data that's been generated from multiple places and all these technologies can in, you know, I think they're there and they can help us achieve exactly what the marketing folks want. Now, the problem is is that this reminds me of the dot-com boom back in the late 90s. 
there's so much technology coming out, and you're getting called on by so many vendors, and there's just so many different ways to go that really, how do you put a stake in the ground, and what strategy do you employ? And knowing that a new technology will come out next week, and probably, uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably obsolete what you've done. But in my opinion, you really have to put a stake in the ground, you know, form a strategy, and start moving forward. And the, the big key here is really harnessing all that data and using that data in a, in a, in a very smart way to actually predict what customers are going to buy or what customers want to see and, and you know, leverage that in the experience. Now, Allison, do you think this is more of a sandbox approach where we would try different things to understand? Because it is so new, it is so different than anything that has been experienced before. No one can come with an authority saying, I, I know what to do and exactly I know what kind of results we'll get. And if you have that type of an R&D or a sandboxing approach, do you think you will be awarded the resources by executive management to say, go, this is your play money and figure out what you can do to get a leap ahead? Well, I think certainly that's a creative idea. Uh, one thing that I'll, I'll stress here is that we're entering the age of experimental marketing unlike ever before. You know, in historic marketing, you used to do direct mail tests, and you'd have different formats of direct mail. It's called A-B t- testing, and you could, you could measure, you know, after a few weeks, did this format work better than this format in driving response rates and the like. We, you know, with the web change that, we could do that testing much faster, but that testing has gone on steroids now where Google does hundreds of tests a day uh, just trying to understand what makes, you know, their search, their advertising more effective. Amazon can tell just by moving the shopping cart, uh, the placement on the screen, how much that change could make a, a, a meaningful change in conversion rates for their customers. And those are changes that are happening, you know, by the hour, not by the week or the month or even the quarter, which was the traditional marketing cycle. So Mike's point is right. I mean, I, you know, our, the market is moving so incredibly fast uh, that we need to work together to be equally adaptive to the marketing, uh, to the market around us. And, and the challenge there is that IT also bears the unfortunate responsibility of protecting the intellectual borders of the enterprise. So that's not an easy task, and marketers are fairly demanding people. So we get it that that's, you know, we're putting IT in a pretty difficult position there. But things like sandboxes could be a creative way. Experimental marketing in a much more dynamic fashion can help us go fight for more resource. And I would even submit that there might be more creative ways that we could, you know, kind of understand the respective functions a bit better between marketing and IT. Uh, in the marketing realm, it's not unheard of, although, although it is fairly innovative, for marketing folks to change job swaps between categories. For instance, a rotational program between a consumer packaged goods firm and a web company so that you basically, between those companies, you're exchanging talent for a period of time, allowing those marketers to sharpen their skill set from one that's very traditional in its approach to the other that's more innovative, and there's benefits to both of those paradigms. We might be in a place where we need to think out of the box and figure, you know, are there job paths between IT and marketing? Are there job trajectories that allow an IT person to come and walk a mile in marketing shoes and vice versa? Because I think these jobs are going to become so increasingly dependent on one another that that might actually behoove us in understanding the the respective paradigms and be able to work more effectively and aggressively accordingly. Now, uh, Mike, do you think experimentation, as Allison uh, recommended, in terms of how the marketing will have to go uh, going forward, 
would you say experimentation should be the focus or innovation should be the focus? Because if you do experimentation, yes, of course, you have to, uh, you know, have a few failures for you to have successes. But if you take an innovation route, then you might have larger uh, percentage of your endeavors get, a, you know, a, a quantum leap versus, okay, something worked great. If it did not, okay, we were experimenting. So the mindset could also lead to different set of results. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, innovation rather than experimentation is probably the route to go. You know, if, if you look what what's taking place is there's so much data being generated from multi, multiple sources. I mean, I think the statistic says that there's more generated data generated in the last two years than in the prior uh, history of the world combined. And, you know, this data is being generated, you know, I think Allison mentioned surveillance cameras. I mean, so we're doing pilots where we have surveillance cameras, uh, you know, not only for <clears throat> loss prevention, but it does facial recognition and can chart out the route a, p- a person takes to the store and figure out how long they stayed there, combined with RFID data, combined with mobile data, and, you know, you know, with things like Shopkick, you can identify when customers come in. We have loyalty programs and where we track, you know, we have 4 million members, 70% of our transactions we can tie to an individual. So, you know, using innovation, I think if you combine all this data together to get to do micro-segmentation and really figure out what's driving customer behavior, I think there's huge, there's huge value. And I don't know, there's a level of experimentation, but a lot of it's innovation because in retail, a lot of it's a me-too environment. You try to see, well, what's everyone else doing? Let me try to do it. But I think that this is there's so much possibilities now that the way you will get beyond your competition and get those quantum leaps is to innovate. And I think that there's just so many possibilities out there and not a lot of creativity. Allison, do you think you have the directive to just create more leads for the sales or is it also a healthy balance with brand awareness and brand assurance that you create for the potential and the existing customers because we know there is very less loyalty so yes you can keep vowing them with different tactics but if they do not have an inherent trust in the brand then it will become even tougher for you to keep them around what do you think yeah so it for for us certainly we do we do have a lead engine here and we also have an awareness engine but at the end of the day the key metric that i think more and more marketers are fake, focused on is return on investment so we've we've attempted to leave behind the more marketing jargon metrics that are useful for marketing they're leading indicators to tell us how campaigns are working but in order to be relevant at the CEO's table we have to talk like the CEO speaks and the CEO cares about return on investment so for us, it's all about using those leading indicators to, to really start to move the needle on ROI, and, and that's where our key focus really is. And certainly brand has, has a role to play in that. Um, leads have a role to play in that. But we're entering, beyond using experimentation, we're also entering this contextual marketing realm that we've kind of touched around here uh, last week was CTIA, which is the major wireless show here in, in North America. And you had major North American wireless providers talking about the, the rise of the contextual network that, that basically knows what you're doing, where you are, and what you like to do, some of the things that Mike touched on earlier, but doing that as well through some of the network intelligence from the mobile devices that we're connected to every day. 
So um, you can really start to envision some pretty interesting business models that can come from that, uh, that leverages the data, leverages what we know about the user, and allows the user to get better, richer information, but uses new hybrid models that we haven't even seen yet. One carrier in particular spoke about toll-free billing that could be offered within a building, say, if that company had a relationship with the wireless provider to do so. So that's a B2B2C kind of model that doesn't exist today, but where the end user gets some benefit, but the value is exchanged between the two businesses in the equation. Um, I think we've not even yet scratched the surface of what's possible in the realm that we're entering. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Mike, when we come back, like to ask the same question with respect to how do we balance between just show the ROI to the executive management versus building that relatively long-lasting trust factor in the customer because, frankly, tactics could change, mindsets could change of how the customer wants to consume. But there is something known as brand loyalty. Should we just say it, say goodbye to it? Or is that something can still remain the fundamental building block on how you will have a sustained existence and profitability in an organization? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Mike, we are looking at the the wow factor and the new tactics that we will deploy every day or in a short term to ensure that we keep uh, keeping their attention towards us even temporarily. Do you think we would in this race lose the fundamentals of what marketing and IT could do together is to build relatively sustainable brand loyalty and awareness and, and um, uh, affinity, if you will, if not loyalty? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, first of all, customers are drawn to your product if your product creates value for them. And, you know, yeah, you can have all the marketing efforts you want, but still you have to be providing 
products that are, have a perceived value. And, of course, some of that's innate values. Some of it is basically perception of the brand. But in the, at the end of the day, at least in our demographic, these are young kids, and they want to see innovation. They want to see new things. And I think if you tie this, and this is such a new arena, you know, with social, mobile, and all these forces that, you know, the ROI in a lot of this is unknown. And some of the analogy I would look back on, you know, to date myself as American Airlines, when they came out with the, with the first uh, loyalty program, the ROI w- was unknown, but they did it because it was just strategic value. And it turned to, and set the bar, and now everyone has a loyalty program. And if American Airlines back at that time said, look, we're going to create an ROI, you know, they never would have embarked on that, pro- on that uh, program. And I think it's the same thing here with, with current marketing programs. I think IT, it's imperative that IT partner with marketing. And I think there's an education process that IT has to show marketing what's possible technically and how tough it is to do some of these things. And marketing has to, you know, get more IT, um, <clears throat> IT-focused people who can actually translate the requirements. And, you know, together... I think you know, that's the only way this is going to work if, if, if there's a tight collaboration between the two. So, Allison, you know that uh, when you deal with, of course, your respective IT departments and in general, marketing and IT have not traditionally worked well together. I mean, it may be a gross generalization, but many people say the same. And it could be not maybe the intention. It is just the very fact that these were two different camps. So what is it that has to happen so that these come together? Yes, we will look for those hybrid roles where marketing people with marketing and IT exposure are the ones who are brought on board, but these people will have to be uh, you know, trained and groomed into that role versus a, a, a university which treat you know, teaches marketing IT certifications, etc. So, so where do you think? Uh, what's the path to marketing and IT working together as it's a one cohesive unit? Yeah. So I think uh, first of all, you're right. I think that that's probably a generalized statement, but I, w- I would submit that typically marketing and IT have not worked as closely together. I think the danger here is that, uh, you know, if another gross generalization, but I suspect that many marketers think they know what IT does and vice versa. Um, and I think we have to understand that these roles fundamentally, even historically as we've known them, are changing at such an accelerating pace that the people within the roles are having to dynamically adapt what they're doing and how they're serving the needs of their customers. I would submit to IT managers, you know, you've got millennials now representing a third of the workforce. You could learn a lot from the marketers across the aisle because we've been serving those customers um, since their formative years, and we could give you a lot of insight into what they do and how they purchase and how they consume media and how they expect to work and collaborate simply because we had to deal with that tsunami and change our entire approach from a one-way approach to a two-way approach when those millennials were consumers not that long ago. Uh, at the same time, you know, marketing can learn a whole lot from IT in the way of what data is available. I think a lot of marketers 
are overwhelmed by data. Um, and there's a big difference, as we all know, between data and actionable information. And what we have now is we don't have a deficit of data. We have a deficit of actionable information. And I think that that is where IT can really make a huge contribution in helping marketers understand what's available and how it can be used responsibly. Uh, in short, I think that this can be a very good opportunity for both functions to get much more strategic in their respective realms rather than dealing with the, the you know, fire drills of day-to-day by working together and leveraging the mutual strengths each has to offer, we, I think, are going to be able to elevate both positions at the CEO's table and be more relevant to the business as a result. Now, do you think, uh, Allison, based on your response, the, the new things that we are, of course, doing, and you mentioned about millennials and uh, Gen Y, for example, but we still have existing customers who belong to the baby boomer and Gen X category, and they may not exactly perhaps submit and or be used to the new tactics that might be far more relevant to one, uh, a different type of uh, a consumer. So how do you how do you balance how much you keep investing in the old style that people are used to? Because they may not be as fickle or, or they may not check out three things online the way millennials do. So are you are you able to maintain both? Yeah, I think what, what you're talking about here is the generational collision that we have in the workplace between the boomers, the Xers, and the millennials. While millennials definitely have more of a propensity to engage in a hypertasking way with a lot of collaboration tools, uh, you don't get to be a 900 million member juggernaut in Facebook without having some mass market appeal. So your boomers are equally technically engaged, and while they may work differently than millennials, I think you're starting to see some of those same collaborative tools that maybe started in the millennial consumer space seeping into the enterprise, breaking down the traditional hierarchical structures that exist, but at the same time creating its own tsunami of data for IT managers to try to figure out how to make the enterprise work smarter. So you're kind of facing the opposite side of the coin that marketers are facing in that you've got more data traversing the, the interior walls of the enterprise and with an increasingly mobile workforce, the exterior walls of the enterprise, that, that you now have to figure out how to sufficiently mine to make intelligent decisions and to make workflow better. Um, so I, I would submit that while boomers may not be as technically um, advanced as, as the millennials are or, or as Xers are for that matter, by no means are they, you know, retreating in a corner, you know, in a fetal position trying to figure out what to do here. They are actually very technically advanced. They just use technology as a tool more so than maybe the younger generations do. Mike, when we look at that, you know, generation gap, and uh, Allison very well uh, provided what what's going on with that uh, area when it comes to the workforce. Now let's take consumers. Do you think when guest goes out and as 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 a uh, provider of a specific product, it may appeal to a grandfather as well as to a grandchild? How do you find out more about a grandfather who doesn't put all their preferences and everything on a Facebook or any other online portal compared to someone who is a grandchild who may do so? That's a very interesting question. Um, you know, but if I look at at least our market at Guess, you know, we're marketing more toward the Generation Y and the Millennials. So our customer range is anywhere from 16 to probably 40. And the grandfather themselves are probably going to be shopping for their kids, or etc. So, so, so for us, that really, you know, you know, we're not really answer your question in general. You know, loyalty programs have been around for for some time, 
And I think used to going to supermarkets, et cetera, and using loyalty programs. And, and if you provide value to customers, well, I don't care what generation they are, they have no problem giving you their data in exchange for value. It's a give to get. So whether, you know, it's on, if it's social media and you'll see a millennial, millennial they'll give to any data for any kind of discount. You know, you have, you're using Facebook as a CRM database. You have a huge advantage with the younger customer. With the older customer, it's, you know, a little bit more traditional where you might have a traditional loyalty program. Look, we'll give you points or discounts, you know, if you present this card on every purchase. And you can still actually learn a lot about the customer. And I don't think you have a lot of barriers there with the older generation. The tactics are different. But at the end of the day, the, the result's the same. You want to collect data about that customer and give them information that's pertinent to them. And I just want to piggyback on what Mike is, is saying here, because while guests may not appeal to, to that particular older generation, Alcatel-Lucent just did a study where we looked across generations all the way from the, the teenagers of today all the way to what we call midlifers, those who are empty nesters or retirees. And we looked at them in the context of how they see their identity and what technology they're using. And just a couple of stats that I think the audience might find interesting here uh, more than half of those empty nesters and retirees spend time today updating their social networking page to project the right image of themselves. So they are engaged with social networking. Almost nine in ten of them visit websites of their favorite brands to find out about the latest coupons and offers. About two in three of them use recommendation engines based on their purchase history, such as those offered by Amazon, to help them find what they're looking for. And perhaps most interestingly, back to Mike's point, it's a give-to-get economy, uh, 85% of them say they are very or or somewhat comfortable sharing information about themselves if they have control over who sees it. Um, and so there's this whole notion of if I can control what I'm sharing when I'm sharing it, there is a pretty high propensity there to do that. So, again, they may not be as technically on the, on the extreme as millennials are, but by no means, and these are, again, empty nesters and retirees who are in the older cohort of boomers and maybe even into, you know, the silent generation, looking at technology as, a, as an indispensable part of their lives. Let's take a quick break, listeners, when we come back. Allison, I'd like to ask a question with respect to what you truly need now going forward. You mentioned actionable intelligence or actionable data, which could be utilized to drive uh, the, the strategy and execution of the different campaigns. What else as a chief marketing officer and your crew needs in terms of support from IT, which will allow you to do your job better and be able to bring success to the organization? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. 
We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Alison, uh, you need actionable intelligence, actionable intelligence and or actionable data to do your job. That's one thing which you already mentioned. What else do you need? What you are not getting from IT or any other resource which is keeping you up at night and perhaps not being able to do your job the way you'd like to? And since you are a dreamer, do you think you have an expectation that anything that you want today will be available today? And if not, how will you go about uh, working without it? So I think that, uh, you know, actionable information, which we talked about earlier, but to put that in perspective, because we've been talking a whole lot about online, and we know that that is where media dollars are shifting from a marketing perspective. But even when you consider that the audience is shifting to these alternative media much faster than the dollars are following them, uh, Chris Anderson, who's the editor-in-chief of Wired Magazine, published a, a study uh, a little over a year ago where he looked at just the, the value of the different types of media, and he found that globally print publications still fetched about a dollar per hour of reader attention. TV got a quarter for a viewer hour, and online fetched less than a dime. Um, so we're, we're still not seeing the money going into these alternative media. Uh, Nielsen just reported that the television advertising market in the U.S. eclipsed $70 billion last week. Juxtapose that against a U.S. mobile market, which is roughly just north of a billion dollars on the advertising front. And we see we have a big, big gap to close there because we know more and more people are tethered to a mobile device. So I would, I would say that beyond getting that rich, actionable information, the next big trend is going to be in harmonizing these disparate media groups, you know, harmonizing broadcast, mobile, online media together to get richer analytics beyond just the silos that we typically have today. And although that is getting better, I think marketers are still struggling with how to integrate social media strategies effectively. And, you know, I think Mike pointed to this earlier, to what effect does that generate ROI or does it matter? You know, so, you know, eMarketer found, found that nearly two-thirds of marketing executives are still finding it challenging to stay current on the social media trends. So I think there's this tsunami hitting this function of just the marketplace changing, the media options changing around it. Marketers are having to increasingly become technologists to understand the different platforms. Um, and we could talk more, hopefully, in a subsequent question about what that's doing to brand, because even the tone of the conversation is changing, which I could talk about more if, if that's of interest. But, but the bottom line is, you know, we just need, we need more, and we need it faster uh, than what we have today. And, and I've, 
I can't stress enough, I don't see big data going away. I see it getting more, uh, more and more exponential, which means that this working across the aisle between IT and marketing, I don't think we'll look back in three years and say, well, that was just a fad, that was just a blip. I think, in fact, in three years we might be separating the winners from the losers of adept companies that are really doing this well against those that still see these two functions as so distinct that they really don't talk much to each other across the aisle. Now, uh, Mike, have you ever been able to overhear, maybe hypothetically, a water cooler conversation between two marketers? What do you think they're talking today? And have you ever had a chance or have been invited to that water cooler conversation? Um, I've heard the water cooler conversations, and I've been in, invited to them. I think that the, the, the problem is with marketers really don't understand technology. and But what happens is, you know, Gartner made a quote, I think an analyst, I think it might be Jeffrey Rosen at Gartner, and he said that the CMO will be spending more on IT than the CIO in the next five years. And when I heard that, that alarmed me. And then taking that back to the water cooler conversation, you know, when I see that a lot of, there's a lot of startups coming out in the mobile, social, whole marketing arena, and they're bypassing IT and they're going directly to the marketing folks. And I've heard water cooler conversations where, oh, we had this vendor in, this is so great, this is awesome, and they're being wooed by this technology. And, of course, the vendors are saying, this can be done, no problem, we don't need to involve IT, everything's easy. But in the end of the day, IT has to get involved because when you want to integrate with the various channels, it means IT has to either expose web services or make this integration possible. And... And the, the marketing people are hearing from vendors how easy it is. IT is coming back and saying, no, this is difficult. And so back to the water cooler conversation, you know, I try to say, look, we can help you. <clears throat> we understand your problems, but it's not as easy as you really think it is. And we need to vet, this, vet the technologies that are coming in and come up with a strategy and, you know, I think it's frustrating for both sides because they really don't understand what it takes. And when Nirvana is presented by a whole number of, of vendors it, uh, and IT's step pushes back, it looks like we're not being cooperative, but we're being um, obstructionist. So, Allison, love to get your comments on this. What well, do I we think? think? I, you know, I think this is the, the reason that, that I think the CIO is in the most unenviable position in the enterprise. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's this, it's this entry of the consumerization of IT, where these marketers and employees in general are used to these big, powerful consumer brands. Uh, they're used to getting IT now support in their homes. And whereas a, a brand might be perfectly acceptable for those means within a, a household, it may or may not be up to the challenge depending upon the enterprise application or use case. And so, CIOs are being increasingly disintermediated by the very employees they're paid to support, and at the end of the day, CIOs are expected to be the first, last, and only line of defense against harm against the company's assets and intellectual property. So I don't envy what Mike has to do every day because it is, it is a sea shift in employee expectations, and employees are you know, increasingly going the route of the least resistance, not taking into consideration what might be the security or network impacts of such decisions, because at the end of the day, that's not their responsibility. That's the CIOs, even though their team may never have been consulted in the first place. Um, so 
I, I get it because we do this. I mean, Alcatel Lucent talks to enterprises and we talk to IT managers and CIOs all the time. So I guess as a marketer, I might have more of an understanding of what the CIO is facing than maybe my general ilk. But uh, I think this is why we need education and awareness and respect across both functions so that we don't dismiss the other one outright and we don't certainly disintermediate one function in advance of something else. So do you think there is a lines or, or the very area getting blurred where urgency versus importance is not put in its own place? So, so chief marketing officer and his crew uh, our crew would get a directive from executive management to build marketing capability to in order to create new markets or create new need. And in order to do that, you need capability. IT says it's going to take six months. A CEO says, I want it in three. So are we not learning how to say no to the CEO so that there is a long-term and a short-term benefit out of this, or is this is just how the game is going to be played going forward? Well, is there any hope? Yeah, I think the reality is it's not necessarily the CEO. I think it's the market that's dictating the requirements now. And I think it was Jack Welch that might have said that when the rate of change outside of the enterprise is faster than the rate of change inside the enterprise, you're essentially dying. Um, and unfortunately, the rate of change outside of all of our enterprises is happening at just an exponential rate, right? So the consumer, the market itself, the end user is fundamentally changing his or her requirements, whether that end user is a marketer's consumer or whether that end user is an IT uh, functions employee, right, that they're supposed to be there to help and support, that user, their requirements are changing faster than an enterprise is able to keep up. So it may not be necessarily that it's a CEO challenge of saying no to the CEO. It may be a challenge of how do you reorient something as fundamental as strategy figure out what markets you are and are not going to go tackle and where you might or might not be successful, it, it might be something as fundamental as that rather than, you know, a, a more innocuous on a project-by-project project basis saying, no, we don't have resource for that. I think this is much, much more profound than, uh, than even the, the CEO at the head of the table trying to make a decision. So, Mike, do you think marketing is well-funded so that they come with you and you say, here is a bag of dollars and I want you to build this capability yesterday? Has it been a funding or a resource issue or has it been the very fact that you want to do it methodically versus jumping the gun? No, I think there is a resource, a resource issue. I mean, traditionally, marketing and retail has been a silo. So they've had their marketing dollars to do place media buys or to engage an analytics firm to, you know, look at the results of direct mailers and what Allison had talked about, A-B testing or multivariate testing, and it's been very siloed. Now with the advent of mobile and social and, you know, trying to do things like geofencing and et cetera, some of these, they're big-ticket items. And quite frankly, marketing hasn't, doesn't know enough about it or what to budget, so they come to IT knocking on the door, look, you need to help do this, and by the way, you're going to pay for it. And so I don't think it's an issue of the enterprise not willing to make the investments. It's just a clear-cut case of, you know, what it's going to cost and who's going to actually budget for it and whose responsibility it is. At what point do you think marketing gets turned off? When, what, what does IT say or do which turns them off for them to go the rogue IT or the shadow IT route? I think IT sometimes asks too many questions. When the rogue IT, you know, there's so many startups out there, and they want an audience with the marketers. And the marketers have the big budgets. You know, they have more dollars than the IT people have traditionally. And when they come in and promise nirvana and promise all kind of wonderful things, 
And the IT person's thinking, okay, that's great, but for that to work, I need to create all these web services, or I need to expose this data, or I need to do these integrations, etc. And you know, in a meeting, you start throwing out what the potential obstacles are, and they're somewhat enveloped in some technical jargon. Then the IT, the marketing people get very frustrated, and they decide, well, look, if you're not going to help, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to do it ourselves. I, I would agree with that, Mike, and I and I would submit that. You know, historically, not that long ago, IT really was the only function in the enterprise that there weren't, there wasn't a plethora of competition outside of the borders of the enterprise to go get a lot of these goods and services from an IT perspective. That paradigm has obviously changed. I think what's also happening is that people are going to the marketplace trying to find out what the price point is or should be. Now, whether or not those requirements are apples to apples is really a whole other set of, of matters that I think, Mike, you're pointing out in your response here. The reality is the perception is formed. Uh, a marketer then has a perception that, well, I can go to this vendor, and for half the price and half the cost, they're telling me they can deliver the requirements. Now, IT sits with their function knowing better and saying, no, that's actually not the way it might work. But at the end of the day, the market is forcing the perception, is forcing the requirement changes, is forcing the expectations to change, and that's what's causing, I think, the friction between the two organizations, one who thinks they can do better, faster, cheaper by going rogue, and the other who's trying, again, to balance the needs for speed along with balancing the intellectual perimeter of the the enterprise. Alison, do you think IT understands marketing enough and perhaps they could dream up solutions and, and cool ways to engage the audience and or you know acquire new customers, which even marketing may not have thought of, and allow you then allow them to drive it for you. And in that process, both parties win because both were collaboratively working together versus I know how to dream and you know how to execute. Let's re- remain in our respective camps and that's how the world is going to be uh, you know, working going forward. What, what, what's, what's the way are you ready to reverse roles? Yeah, so, I, you know, I'm not a, a, a student of pride of authorship here, but I will submit that in my function, the, one of the challenges I think marketers face is that people believe that because they're consumers that they can do marketing. Um, and, you know, people do go and study marketing for a reason, just like people go and study to be in IT for a reason. So I think there's some value in some of that education. And, and even beyond that, what you learn in the schools typically – uh, your first companies pay for your rookie mistakes on the job as a marketer because you begin learning that consumers aren't rational, they rationalize, and they're very unpredictable in their behaviors. So I, I would submit that I think there's a, there is an opportunity for both teams to work more collaboratively together. I do agree that IT professionals probably do have some great ideas that marketers aren't considering, but I would submit that's probably the case for, you know, a broader community of employees, too. And I think if we can harness some of these collaboration tools in a more effective way to kind of get at the hive mind that we've been able to replicate with the web or at least been able to, to enjoy with the web, you can actually build a community of employees that are bringing ideas, whether that's from the IT function, the finance function, engineering, or any of the above, HR, anywhere, where those ideas can start entering a pipeline, and hopefully if we've got the tools in place that are, you know, again, driven by requirements that IT can then introduce, hopefully the enterprise gets more adaptive and smarter, not just in marketing, but across a variety of functions where knowledge is needed. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Mike, uh, let's talk about the IT workforce needs. So we know going forward, we have to support marketing. And in order for us to do that, not only at the top, like which is uh, CIO, like you, needs to be well aware of how marketing functions and understand the nuances, but perhaps people at a level or two below or maybe all the way along the chain of command. So what would you want to do differently in terms of training, education, and even hiring people and uh, so that you are better prepared to support the organization and, in this case, marketing as a context? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, uh, Mike, how would you want to change your IT workforce makeup, given that no longer you're just supposed to deliver IT, you're supposed to deliver marketing innovation, sales innovation, and everything else in between? Yeah, so if you, the needs of IT or the skill sets have actually evolved with this with the evolution in marketing. You know, before we were focused on ERP and a lot of transactional-oriented uh, things. So, you need people with ERP skills, with transaction skills, et cetera. Now, you know, what Allison keeps referring to is big data. So we're amassing huge amounts of data. And the current databases, you know, relational databases aren't working. So we need employees who understand alternate database technologies. And then, you know, like Allison said, create, collecting data is useless unless you convert it to information and knowledgeable you know, in knowledgeable, actionable um, information. And so with that, you know, we need people with more OLAP skills and maybe even statisticians to come in and be able to go and mine data and <clears throat> figure out patterns 
And then you have the whole display issue, which is how do you create dashboards, scorecards, or how do you package and present this data in a meaningful way to the marketing organization or even to the merchandise organization, et cetera. So I think that you know, while the OLAP or the <clears throat> business intelligence function has been really quite small, I think that's the area that has to grow, and we need people with these kind of skills to, to actually provide value to the organization. Now, from a marketing, uh, you know, the very function, uh, Allison, what do you think is coming next? Do you really think you know what's coming next, even at the top and, and with all the intelligence and all the research that may have been conducted? Do you think we are way too fickle and, and a society now that everything that comes to us is going to be a surprise? No, I think, you know what, I think that basically the, the entire landscape has changed. It's shifted from a one-way broadcast media kind of environment where marketers really were lauded for creativity. I mean, we had Clio's, which were our form of the Oscars, to basically recognize the best and most creative agencies in the, in the States. And that was because creativity bought you something when you were in a one-way transmission like television, where essentially in order to capture and keep the attention for a 30-second spot, we know from scientific experiments that creativity really were the things that were the most memorable. That's shifting. It doesn't say that creativity isn't still important. It is. But now it's really about analytics, and it's about how do I now get that entire constellation of, of click-throughs and channel changes and location updates and web inquiries and shopping profiles. How do I take that constellation of who a person is and apply, to Mike's point, some predictive modeling to that so that I can now intercept them at the right place at the right time with the right offer, the right service, et cetera. So what I think you're seeing in marketing is a shift because our consumers have shifted, the media has shifted. It doesn't mean that consumers, obviously, that, that they can't be served well. It just means that we have to figure out how to now shift the career function to applying, you know, a lot of analytics where before that was something that was reserved for the, the niche fringes of marketing, apply the analytics in the day-to-day and still not lose some of that creativity and that innovation that makes marketing as much art as it is science in some cases. Mike, do you think when the organizations where marketing and IT has been able to successfully work together and produce remarkable results, what are they doing differently in your view? Are they just happy, just do they just happen to be lucky that they have the right marketing crew mindset and market, uh, IT leadership and crew mindset and they were all kind of synced well? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think the objectives are the same. Both marketing and IT both want to grow sales and grow revenue. I think in the situation where it works is one where they partner early on. The, the strategy or the objective is well-defined, and both sides know exactly w- w- what they want to do. I think where it breaks down and doesn't work is when one group goes off and goes rogue and decides what you know what initiative they want to do and drops it on the on on the desk of IT and says hey look we decided we're going to do this here's the time frame go do it and then that you know that becomes a problem nobody likes uh, not being a you know partner involved in the decision so Allison one final question when do you think we can or what what do you think in your view you would have exp- in in what way would you want to see IT transform itself in order to best support you what do you think is missing well I, you know I I can it, it's difficult for me to answer that question just because I think in my particular case from a marketing perspective at this company we work well with our IT function on requirements but I think 
you know, it's back to what we've been hitting the drumbeat on consistently this, this session, which is, you know, IT needs to move as fast as the market is moving. It's not that marketers are trying to push IT into an uncomfortable direction uh, just because we're pushing IT in an uncomfortable direction because our market is pushing us in an uncomfortable direction. So both physicians need to find a way to get more agile, to figure out a way to experiment more and find out what works and what doesn't work without exposing the organization to unnecessary risk. And at the same time, you know, IT's function is fundamentally changing because it's more than marketing that you face that's changing around you. It's the average consumer or the average employee who's equally the average consumer coming in with their own expectations of what they expect from an IT function who is also changing. So uh, I think more to come on this topic. Certainly the next couple of years will be very interesting and revealing as to how these two functions start to work much more closely together. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Allison and Mike, for sharing your thought. It looks like that IT does have the potential, and, of course, marketing has to adjust its expectations in some cases while it tries to deliver on the demands of the business and also the new consumers today. What we have to do is to perhaps work closely, as we discussed throughout this show, and respect each other's capabilities and competencies, which are still to be developed, and work together to make that happen. Thank you so much again. And uh, listeners, if you have any thoughts, please send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. And next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world?